welcome to the fifth episode of the Super Super 8 podcast. Uh, Pat Lynch. Um, I don't want to go so far as to say that I am the host. <laughs> that is a kind word for it. Um, I am in the love loft. No, I'm not calling it that either. I'm just going to call it random different things until something sticks. Um, alliteration. So I recorded episode five and episode six. I was listening back and I was just very self-conscious about it. And I even went uh, so far as to record an intro for episode six, basically admitting my fears, my um, imposter syndrome that I was experiencing. And I don't know if that was just because I, my weekend, this previous weekend, I was kind of down. I hadn't really left the house and I was left to my own devices. My girlfriend had went down to visit her mother. So I was just kind of like cooped up and going crazy. And I really wanted to put one of these out because I had all this free time to talk about what I was doing. Um, make another episode and it just I was trying to review my Bolex and I realized that there was still a lot of stuff for me to learn and I just had this sense of like I'm trying to make this podcast and uh, be one of the outlets or points of information or you know and uh, I realized that I knew nothing about it so I, I mean I know enough but I don't know every little thing and I thought to myself if I'm going to be putting out a podcast and I'm going to make a segment about learning about a specific camera, why don't I do some research? <laughs> um, no, I just I just got down and I just said, like, why? Like, I don't deserve to be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be putting out trash. But um, anyways, um, you heard an intro um, a couple last week at some point. I got home and um, I just stuck the mic in front of my guitar, a very primitive setup, and I decided to... Um, just record a couple of guitar licks and that I can put in between segments, which will force me to actually have segments and cut this up. Um, so it won't be so long and droning and boring more than it is. Um, and as you may notice, I have moved back to my condenser mic Tascam setup. I was kind of sick of the, the headset, um, configuration that I had. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't bear to listen to my phone like phone call quality audio and with also like all the heavy plosives and stuff like that and just like the every time you hear me breathe and I'm just like oh this is not going to be enjoyable to listen to so you know growing pains um surprisingly I'm talking all right one because yesterday morning I had my second round of wisdom teeth out um so if I sound a little off that's why I'm drinking my coffee I am working from home today um, what kind of coffee did I get? It's called 1860 or 1865. This coffee that I get in bags. It's good stuff. I like dark roast stuff. Love my coffee. Um, I'm just going to go through the list here. I'm kind of combining the things that I recorded for episode five and episode six, just trying to kind of condense them. fact if you're using google docs alt shift 5 is the button for uh the shortcut keyboard a keyboard shortcut for a strike through so i've got a list here and i'm uh striking through um what i've already done but yeah uh, i got my wisdom teeth out yesterday um i've been told see i had my first round i had one side done three weeks ago uh, it was kind of a funny story i went in and i thought i was getting a filling 
And they said, uh, yes, you're getting that done, but also we scheduled you to get your wisdom teeth out. And I was like, wait, what? But being who I am, I just said, well, screw it. Let's do it. And um, I didn't have the money to get all of them done, so I spaced them out. And I also didn't want my whole entire mouth being completely miserable and numb, so I only got one side done. Now, historically, you would think that you just get, like, the tops done or the bottoms done, but that doesn't make any sense. So it's like they actually suggest to just get one side done. So I got my right side done, and yesterday I got my left side done. And I've been told, and I'm not trying to, you know, toot my own horn here, but I've been told that it's I've, I'm a little hardcore because no laughing gas. Uh, I didn't get put under. They just numbed my face up and just ripped them out because it was a – see, I've been waiting for this procedure for 10 years now. And uh, my, my wisdom teeth were very, very much in uh, – so uh, every every couple months for about a week or so, uh, I, I just feel this crazy immense pressure, and I just said it's time to just – I have health, I mean I have dental insurance. Let's just get it done. So over the last week or so since uh, I made episode four, I've been messing a lot heavily with my half-frame camera. I probably mentioned it in one of the last episodes. I really have to start making show notes because uh, I lose track of what the hell I talk about. This if so I sent in actually yesterday I sent in uh, another batch of 35 millimeter still stuff of all different types um, some P3200 um, I have a I actually have a notebook I had to start a notebook of logging all the stuff because I don't send it in right when I take it and even when I do sometimes it takes a couple weeks to go through a roll so you forget what's on it and so I started logging I actually started a an old school notebook log I'm a big notebook guy I write all my music and notebooks and stuff and. Um, I'll just like what I shot, the date, and um, or the dates if I really know when I put the film in the camera, that date to end date, uh, what I shot, what ISO it is, um, what if it's color, black and white, slide film, etc., etc. So some 3200, some Ektachrome, some Derev Pan. Uh, this is my first roll of 3200 and Derev Pan, uh, which is an FPP. Um, Special film, some Portrait 800, which I've never shot. I've shot a lot of 400, but never 800. Um, and there was a fifth in there that I, oh, some XP2. That's what it was. Some black and white. Uh, I think, and I'm biased because it's really the only one that I've actually shot on, so I can't really say it's my favorite. But I love the shots that I got with that film. Um, another thing that I'll note is the Olympus. The metering came back for like four or five fr- for four or five shots, oddly in the middle of the roll. And then now it's back to just kind of staying at 60, like the little light inside. I might have mentioned it's it's metering. I can tell because when you take it in a dark, a dark lit area, the shutter stays open for longer. And then when you take it in the bright sunlight or at a window or something, it, it it's shorter. So it's metering correctly, or at least it's adjusting for light. I'll find out shortly if it's um, oddly, uh, I mean, just funny enough, I didn't actually get through that roll in time when I sent it in. So that'll be in my next batch, but um, which will sh- probably be shortly because I want to stick something else in it quickly because I'm at the end of the roll. But uh, it came back, the metering came back. I was all excited and I announced it in the previous episode that will not air because I just trashed it. But um, And then, of course, it stopped working again. So, yeah, I started the film record book, which is kind of will keep me on track. Um, Let's see. Um, I bought some vis- expired Vision 2, um, which I think is 
going to become the official test roll of my Bolex. I know I shot the expired Zvima, Zvima, Zvima 50D in my 16mm Bolex, um, but I think that I don't think it's going to provide, or it's not going to produce good results, or it, it, probably not even like like test roll film, expired film. It's a lot more granular, and it's just really meant to test the camera, right? But I think it's so old, and I didn't really know what I got before I shot it. And it, I mean, it was a good experience, but um, I don't know. It's still sitting in my fridge. I might, um, I might send it in. I'm not sure. I also have to ask whether it's even possible. But I think it's just the equivalent of uh, a slide film, like a, a um, like Ektachrome. It's 50D. Um, it's a, it's a positive film. So, reversal. So I'm not sure, but I think it's past 25 to 30 years old, I think. Um, there's very little information, and there's a bunch of Russian language on it. So that's about all I know. Um, but yeah, this Vision 2 uh, doesn't have an expiration date, but it does have a copyright date, which just says Kodak um, 2002. So give or take a couple of years, I think, is probably the expiration date. So it's roughly it's probably tw close to 20 years old give or take um at this rate well like 17 18 ish i guess um i will post some some links to some equivalent vision to style expired film that's been shot i know the fpp has a video of some expired vision 2 a lot of it um I believe it's... I don't have it in front of me. I actually will insert my review or my reading of the specs on the box when I had it in front of me on the last episode, so I'll insert that here. So I've got this sealed box of expired Vision 2 in front of me. Um, I have been sticking all of my still photography, my 35mm still stuff, uh, cartridges, and my movie film, which I've only had two cartridges of uh, since uh, I've started all this. But I keep that. St I keep it in the fridge. Um, I keep it in one of the uh, humidity-controlled bins. Uh, my girlfriend only uses one of the bins for vegetables and she has graciously allowed me to basically uh, commandeer one of them for all my film so my two rolls of 400 feet of um 16 millimeter in there um all of my exp um the the two 16 millimeter cartridges are in there including this vision 2 and any and all of my still photography stuff which right now is a lot of black and white um so uh vision 2 color neg uh, 200T, uh, the stock is 7217. Um, and because it is a tungsten film, which is what the T stands for, they recommend shooting it obviously indoors, which your average um, Kelvin measurement for that is 3200, which is right here on the, um, right here on the box. And if you're shooting it in daylight, it suggests filter number 85. Um, I'm not too, too familiar with filters, um, but uh, we can go into that in another episode. And again, the only date that this has on it is just the, um, the copyright date, which is 2002. So my guess is that it is roughly, you know, almost 20 years old at this point. Um, 
Yeah, and that's all the markings that uh, are really on it. It says uh, just how to, you know, peel, peel it off to open it, how to reseal it, um, and it suggests uh, storing it under 55 degree Fahrenheit and 13 Celsius. Um, and that's really all there is. So inside of this is one of those daylight spools that you will frequently see in one of these 16 millimeter cameras. And they sell kind of a similar uh, box and spool and or cartridge for Super 8. So yeah, load in total darkness, it says. That's all that, um, yeah. So that's my Kodak Vision 2. So, where can you buy stuff like this? Where can you buy expired movie film or weird movie film or just new movie film or crazy old movie or just new stock of um, movie film that your camera you thought at one point probably could no longer take? And I know that sounded really confusing. But my point is, is that I wanted to go over briefly the different types of film that the FPP store sells. Um, they are one of my inspirations on starting this podcast. Um, they have been doing their podcast for 10 years or over 10 years now. I believe it started in 2009, and they've been with it all this way. They still put out solid, amazing content, and they're constantly putting out new products all the time. Um, and I believe they're the, probably the cheapest place you can buy um, various types of uh, movie film for various types of film cameras, um, still and motion picture. And they also produce and gather and put together um, stock that would, wouldn't otherwise be available. So let's go over like the standard Kodak stuff. So you can get this on like B&H and Adorama and any other place that you could probably find Kodak stock stuff. So we'll just go over that first. So there's 16 millimeter single perf Kodak double X, which is just a hundred. Uh, so we're talking uh, 16 millimeter and Super 8. Let's actually check the Super 8 stuff, shall we? I guess we should start with Super 8 because this is the Super Super 8 podcast. As you can tell, I'm still trying to get my bearings on how much information non-Super 8 I should be should be talking about here but it's also fascinating um so your average roll of super is going to be around 33 bucks i think that so they have kodak 200t which is a color negative film the t stands for everybody knows this tungsten which means indoors so you want to shoot this indoors if you're shooting it outdoors you want to filter on your camera which is an 85 filter which Conveniently, right on the um, right on the description, is uh, is noted, indoor light. Um, Thirty-three bucks. I'm gonna add it to my cart and see how much. Um, it says thirty-two ninety-nine. Um, oh, shipping will be calculated at checkout. I'm going to go through here and see. Um, so I'm sure it's a couple of other bucks buckaroos so it's it's all the standard stuff so they have 200t 500t which i believe is the highest iso color negative that kodak makes for super 8 and for 16 millimeter and for 35 as far as i'm concerned as far as i know um and then they have kodak 50d 
which is a daylight film. So you want to shoot this outdoors. Um, if you shoot it indoors, obviously you want the proper amount of light because that is a very low ISO. And it doesn't mention if you shoot it indoors um, um, what filter to use. So I'm not sure. Um, I believe so. This is going to be an experiment that I'm going to find out is that some of my Super 8 I shot indoors. So there is a daylight or a light bulb um, switch on the side of it. And I'm under the impression that switching that for daylight, for indoors, artificial light, switching it to light bulb, and then going outside and switching it to the, the sun image position. It's just a little switch. I think that, uh, I think I'm good with that. I think that's like an internal filter. Could be totally wrong, but I'm going to find out. Um, worst case scenario, if you are shooting a color, if a, like a 500T, which is actually what I have in um, my, um, my Super 8 camera right now, if you shoot it outdoors and don't put a filter on it, the image is going to come out awfully blue. But I've been told that is, it is easily fixable in post. So there's that. And of course, um, they have the Kodak Ektachrome 100D uh, color positive film. Now this got discontinued in 2013. It was brought back late last year, early this year. Um, it's it's amazing. I just it kind of just coincided with my my heightened interest in film photography and Super 8 and 16 millimeter. So it's exciting that that is out. Um, I've, I shot a couple of rolls with it. What, my first roll that I ever shot with it, I was in Ireland. My girlfriend and I went to Ireland in March. I shot a bunch of rolls with that. I think one or two of them didn't come back because I'd mentioned probably in the first episode how like my camera shit the bed and uh, it was like six rolls didn't come back, unfortunately. Um, was it four or six? I don't know. I took 11 and maybe it was four. I don't know. I try to forget. <laughs> And then they have, last but not least, um, Tri-X black and white reversal film. I am not sure. Let's click into here. It is a daylight film. Uh, excuse me. Uh, tungsten film. 160 ISO. Daylight 200. So if you're shooting it outdoors, it's 200. If you're shooting it indoors, 160. Um, and this is a positive, black and white positive film, which means... The image, once it's developed, is a positive image, meaning you could send it through a projector, just like the Ektachrome is a positive image. Um, and if you look on the FPP store, um, you can see a, a, a short video of some really expired stuff from 1986. Or this is either from 1986. It is from 1986. Okay, I thought it was some expired stuff. Um, is it? No, it's 1986. Look at those cars. Those are 80s cars. Um, so that's super cool. Um, I just, I just love watching old stuff, and that's for 33 bucks as well. So every Super 8 film that the FPP sells is going for 33 bucks, minus a penny, um, plus shipping. So that depends on where you live. Except for the Ektachrome. The Ektachrome is 46 bucks plus shipping. So. It's a it's a it's a nicer film. It's a different film. I highly I'm gonna try all of these. Uh, the only ones that I've actually tried is the 50D, which I'm waiting 
impatiently to get back. Um, it does say it takes, I think, two to four weeks or three to four weeks. It hasn't been that long, so I will wait. I'm impatiently waiting because I'm super excited to see the kind of images from my very first Super 8 roll um, from my Bronizo. 3056. I can't talk enough about that camera. Man. And then, um, let's go over some of the other Super 8 stuff. So, they just put out, over the last couple of weeks, regular 8 film stocks. So, before, I mean, for all I know, before a couple of weeks ago, you could buy these really old 8mm cameras before uh, the time of Super 8 cartridges. And it worked just like a 16mm um, 100-foot spool roll, like a 60mm camera. So you have the daylight spools, you pop them in, you kind of run it through the camera spools and through in front of the, the lens, uh, and on, up onto a take-up spool. And um, that went away after Super 8 cartridges came out. So you have all these ancient, perfectly working 8mm cameras, but you can't buy stock for them. So they're, they're going for relatively cheap, as far as I know, on the Ebays. And um, that's why, because every, I mean, even if even if there was a place, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't in high high demand and it wasn't in high production. Obviously, it's a very old format, but somewhere, somehow, the FPP has regular eight millimeter um, reversal stocks, so you can start using all these old camera now cameras now, and that is the coolest thing in the world. Um, and They've also released, even more recently, double 8mm film. And what double is, is it's, it's perfed differently than 16mm, I'm told. But it's a 16mm width. 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 Um, and it's this crazy invention where it only exposes half of the film. You open the camera up, you spin the, you spin the spindles around, you spin the daylight spools around, and you run it through the other way. I think. I don't have one in front of me. I've never used one. The FPP, I believe, has a video on it. Um, and in some of their podcasts more recently, they've talked about it. So go check those out. But it's crazy. It's, it, and it's considered 8mm because it's 16 cut in half. So when you send it in, they have these machines that splice it right down the middle. And it becomes 8mm. That's insane. Because it basically uses the same film twice, it only uses 25 feet. Is that right? It's called double eight. Um, let's see. This is black and white, regular eight film, FPP, Cine 8, black and white, 50, reversal film, double eight. 20, 23 bucks. 23 bucks. Um, what was I going to talk about? Um, they have a blog post on it. I obviously won't reread it. You can go check it out for yourself. Um, and right below, they have the video on how to load a regular 8, a.k.a. double 8, movie camera. So they'll show you right there how to do it. That is the coolest thing in the world. It's so cool how they, like, basically single-handedly, as far as I know, I could be completely wrong. As I say at the end of every episode, everything that I say, taken with a grain of salt, and uh, it's probably all wrong anyways. Um, in addition to that, they have the regular 8 um, FOMA, um, R100 black and white reversal film, which is also double eight. What else do they have? Um, they have some 500T regular eight, um, which is sold out at the moment. Um, and yeah.
processing before we get into the 16 millimeter stuff. So this is where the real cost comes in and you really have to weigh in. Can I, can I really afford to shoot Super 8? Or at the very least, if you want to mess around with it, it kind of gives your brain a sense of like, all right, I not only do I only have three and a half, give or take, minutes to shoot a roll with, but this is costing X amount of dollars. So be very cautious and conscious of what you're shooting because of this. It is very expensive um, for, for what you're getting, but it's also not because it's like, ah, nothing beats, nothing beats 16 mil, the look of 16 millimeter. Nothing beats the look of Super 8 film. I mean, it's just, it's got that look and you can, you can mess around with Premiere and After Effects and stuff. And I used to do that, but uh, it's just time consuming if you don't know what you're doing. Um, so, a, so they, the FPP has recently offered scanning services, process and scanning services of Super 8 movie film and 16. Um, so what I purchased was, so if you don't have a USB drive um, and you need one that's big enough, um, they recommend a 128 gigabyte drive and I did not argue with that. I got a 128 gig drive, just as they said. I didn't buy theirs, but if you don't have one, you can buy one on their website. I purchased one myself, so you send that in with your cartridge. You got to pay for shipping. Send it off to them, and so you have so for one cartridge is 55 bucks, and that is your lowest HD, which is perfectly fine. It's a 1080 um, by well, geez, what is it? 1080 by 1080 by 1920. I'm really disappointed in myself that I forgot the standard HD resolution um, pixel sizes. Aspect ratios, they say. But then you can bump it up. Are you, are you using it in a bigger production? Are you going to be screening this? Or do you just want a giant-ass file sitting on your computer? Or... Um, are there other reasons you need to bump it up in resolution? Well, you can. Uh, you can scan it in at 2K, which is an extra 10, which is an extra five bucks for um, 60 bucks. Um, and this includes process and scanning. So, and then you can bump it up to 4K, which is another 10 bucks. So, to get a process and scan at 4K, it is $70. Um, that's that's a lot for. That's a lot. That's a lot. So you really got to think like. What do I need? What am I using this for? Is it worth it to me? Um, and I would say that this is one of the most, if not the competitive price for this process, aside from if you want to dive into home processing, um, which obviously uh, includes getting rid of that Remjet layer, um, which is just like the protective layer, or it's, it's used for a couple different uh, things on the film, but... Uh, so you you know I mean I'm a penny pincher so you think 55 bucks plus the cost of shipping plus the cost of the USB plus the cost of the Super 8 cartridge itself which is another you know so you're looking at close to 100 bucks um, for three and a half minutes of Super 8 but it's not deterring me whatsoever but it definitely makes me think on what I want to shoot what I want to use it for um, and it, and it really just determines how quickly I can you know burn through cartridges the disappointing thing 
is that historically, at least in the last 10 years or so, I would say um, 16 millimeter processing and Super 8 aren't, aren't, there's not enough of a gap there to really just be like, well, I'll, I'll just do Super 8 for a while. So I've kind of been simultaneously shooting 16 millimeter because you can buy cameras cheap enough. Um, they don't have all the bells and whistles. If you have a couple grand to spend, which I wish I did, I would buy a more professional um, 16 millimeter camera and just use that for the rest of my life. I would shoot home movies uh, on a 16 millimeter camera till the day I died. Um, that's how much I am interested in this and love the look of film. But um, and if I got a more professional 400 foot roll 16 millimeter camera on the pro level, I would. I would get my ass in gear and uh, write a short film of some sort. Um, so that'll happen eventually. That's one of my stretch goals, I think, for this podcast is to shoot a short film. Um, that's actually a stretch, stretch goal. I would say my stretch goal is probably to create a short film on Super 8. Let's not get ahead of ourselves now. This is the Super Super 8 podcast. Um, so processing and scanning services for a 16mm 100-foot roll, because remember, they don't have cartridges. They have 100-foot uh, daylight spools. For an HD, is 80 bucks. So that's process and scan. And obviously, they cover all the ones that they sell um, in the store, which is uh, Vision 3 uh, 50D, 250D, 200T, 500T, um, Kodak EXR. I'm not sure what that is. Vision and Vision 2 films, which are basically the earlier iterations of the Vision 3 film different emulsions as far as I know uh, and then the new Kodak Ektachrome 100D which I thought wasn't out for 16mm but I guess it is um, Plus X, black and white Double X, which is also black and white and Tri X, which is also a black and white Orwo UN54 and N74, I'm not familiar with these um, film stocks, I'm going to try them out and of course the FPP Cine 16 Double Perf, uh, which I believe is just a recan that they have created. Um, so their 16 millimeter stocks are are very interesting because they have a lot more um, have a lot more expired stuff like uh, for like test rolls and stuff. So you, so you can actually get a roll of a hundred foot roll of 16 millimeter uh, way cheaper than. Um, your Super 8 because the Super 8's in a cartridge. You can't load a cartridge. It's I'm not sure how Kodak puts them together, but it's you know they, it's not easily openable. You have to you have to really pry those things apart with tools, which is kind of unfortunate. I wish uh, somebody had made a cartridge that you can easily pull apart and put back together, so p places like the FPP can hand roll and you know put out at a cheaper rate. Um, maybe that's coming. Maybe somebody needs to 3D print a a uh, Super 8 cartridge of some sort. I'm sure that wouldn't be that hard. It's just a piece of plastic. Um, there is a there is a vlog or a uh, excuse me YouTube channel of a guy who does way better work than I do. Um, I forget his name, but the the title of the YouTube channel is Analog Resurgence, and he I believe he's the one who pulled apart a Super 8 cartridge for all of us to see. I mean he he put the work in. You, you need some muscles for that. <laughs> you, I mean, they do not make those things easy, and I'm not entirely sure how those get processed on a mass scale, or they used to on a mass scale. Um, yeah. But as the same with 8mm and Super 8, um, process and, they process and scan HD, 2K, and 4K um, for 80 bucks. And for the price, for the lower prices of 
I mean, the price of the 100-foot spools of 16 millimeter and Super 8, there's not much of a price difference to really justify just using Super 8. Like, it's not that much cheaper. If anything, I would say it's more expensive. Can I say that? The other thing that you have to build in, too, is that 16 millimeter, um, I would prefer to shoot that at 24 frames a second. When you're shooting 60, I mean, they, my Bolex does have a rolling shutter speed dial on it. Um, it goes down to eight frames a second, and then they have, they suggest it's kind of red. It's like very, it's like a, the number's red on there, so it's, they're kind of like saying, like, use this one. Um, then they have 18 frames a second, which historically is the standard frame rate for Super 8. And that gives this, that, that's what gives Super 8 its, its, old school look aside from the lens and the film being so small and having those colors kind of very specific types of colors and shooting style of a super 8 camera handheld look um the reason why it's so flickery is because it's at 18 frames a second um a little history for you the reason why 24 frames a second is the standard for motion picture films even when they use digital is because 24 is the lowest F frames per second that you can use without your eyes seeing the flickering of each image being put up on the screen or the computer screen or whatever. So 24 is the slowest you can go without noticing a flicker, basically. If you go any lower than that, it starts looking like, you know, Super 8 or something. Um, it's the slowest it can go, again, for the third time. Um, I'm trying to think of how else to say it. Um, and I can't, so we'll move on. Um, I've pretty much gone through my list here. What else did I want to touch on? Previous episodes, I'd gone into more detail um, in terms of some of the things that I talked about, but got a little convoluted, and that's where I kind of got lost in the weeds, so I won't. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't have plans for future episodes. I have, plan I have plans to make future episodes, but I'm, uh, I've got to get into the habit of making show notes so I can remember what I've already talked about and making... I have a whole list of ideas, but it's just a matter of piecing together what I want to put in episodes. I have a tendency, I think, to just ramble on 20 different subjects on one episode, so I want to try to keep it short. Um, what else uh, can I end with? Um... I don't know. I'll just we'll just play some more guitar, and I'll leave you with that. And just remember that um, everything that I've said is probably wrong. So uh, just forget the whole thing. How about that? And we'll see you next time. Oh yes, one more thing. I believe. Let's see if it's up. Uh, I think it is. I just haven't signed in on it with this computer. So I created an email. So if anybody wants to. Email me suggestions, uh, send hate mail, send love mail, send, not like that, um, ideas, critiques, criticisms, um, just fan stuff. Yeah, I would love to hear from some people. I'd love to hear from ideas for, for ideas for future uh, podcasts, all that jazz. I'm kind of happy with this episode. I feel like I is one that I cohesively put together. Uh, for the for the first time, um, yes. So the email is super super eight podcast at gmail dot com. Right, I've signed in. 
and it's official. It's got the logo on there. It's the super super eight podcast at gmail.com. And I also have an Instagram page set up with nothing on it yet, but that is also called the super super eight podcast um, on Instagram. I'm going to pop the logo on there now. So by the time you find it, you will see it. It is the logo on this um, podcast. If you see it through Spotify and this podcast is available through Spotify, I believe iTunes. Let's check that out. Anchor tells me things. I've been using this fantastical software called Anchor. Um, let's see. Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Copy RSS, which is not a podcast thing. I just read it to be funny. Um, and, of course, this wonderful site, Anchor. Um, yeah. I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening, and I'll stop rambling now. Bye.